Imagine your new bathroom. A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. The Just Because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. For me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. Friday. It's Matt Connerton Unleashed, and we are live from the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in glorious downtown Manchester, New Hampshire, also on Comcast 97. If you're in Manchester, and hello to all of our online listeners across the country and around the globe. And you can go to my website, mattconnerton.com, for all of your live streaming options, social media links, contact info, show archives, et cetera, et cetera. Today is Friday, November 19, and I'm not alone, my friends. Reaching out for something to hold. John Hopwood is here at the news desk. Hi, Matt. Hi. 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 It's not you, it's that mic. Hi. Hi. <laughs> the mic sounds there so There is low something uh, wrong with this mic. Yeah. It makes everybody sound uh, not like they are. But it's not consistent, which is strange. It's like when you have a, like when your car is making a weird noise, right? And then you take it to the mechanic and you're like, hey, what's this weird noise? And your mechanic drives it and all of a sudden it's not making the weird noise. It's like that's what it's like with that microphone. When I was listening to, like, I'm listening to myself now. It's distorting the voice slightly, mm. plus a lot of sibilance. With Christian yesterday, I could hear it too. You know? Yeah. It's, I don't know. Well, I don't think it's the mic. I think it's something about the wiring or something. But or the software. Uh, the filter. It could be anything. Who knows? It could be Gremlins. I just uh, don't know. I think it's the software filter. Mm, oh, the software filter. Right. Maybe it's the filter software. Did you think of that? Don't you have software filters for the various microphones? We have software filters. We have filtered software. We I have, mean, we there's... have filtered water if you're thirsty. We have all kinds I, of things here. And you can actually set a microphone in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. you can. Yes, you can. Well, it's nice to see you. Uh, John Hopwood is here on this Friday afternoon, and it is Friday, so of course tonight there is live music at the Hopknot, 
Uh, Ali Beaudry, I believe, is performing tonight at the Hop Knot, as there is live music every Friday. And uh, they've got a couple of... Uh, Got a couple of other events that uh, Kenny has alerted me to that I want to remind you all about. The pre-Thanksgiving karaoke party, November 4th, from 8 p.m. to midnight. And the Gender Blender Drag Show is on December 5th from 2 to 4 p.m. So, a couple of great things. But, the, of course, the main event, the big draw at the Hop Knot, is the delicious gourmet pretzels. And they are delicious. And they have an assortment of craft beer. Everyone loves the craft beer. Also want to remind you, of course, uh, coming up December 2nd, Right around the corner, the Miracle on Elm Street toy drive for Manchester kids. Uh, this is through the Manchester Housing and Redevelopment Authority. And on that day, uh, we're going to be at broadcasting from Bonfire beginning at 7 a.m. for the morning show. And, of course, uh, this program will be broadcasting from there as well in the afternoon from 4 to 6. And I think we're doing an all-day thing. So I think even in between the two shows, we're going to uh, at least uh, part of the time or most of the time or maybe all of the time, we will be live from Bonfire, so I will let you all know more details as I know them, as uh, Peter apprises me of what's happening. But, uh, of course, you can uh, you can always drop a toy off here, you know, in the morning. Uh, of course, when the morning show is here, there's somebody here uh, weekdays at 1045 Elm Street, Suite 300. Or uh, you can uh, send a check, uh, make it out to Hope NH, Inc., uh, and uh, send that to WMNH 1045 Elm Street, number 300, Care of the Morning Show in Manchester. I think the zip is 03101. It's not on the poster, but I think it's so Can they send it care of uh, Matt Connaughton Unleashed? They could, but uh, but we'd prefer they send it care of the Morning right. Show because then they'll definitely, I mean, I'll obviously I'll definitely get it if they send it to me, but I'll just be taking it and giving it to Peter. So easier to send it to Peter. And uh, pointing out that 300, sweet 300, it's not the studio, so just don't walk into the studio. Right. It's next to it on the left. Exactly. The the yes, yes, indeed. I'm glad you mentioned that, actually. And uh, we have a call. Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's this? Howdy, howdy. This is Dirk. Dirk Don of Arrogant Media. How are you, my friend? Oh, not bad. How are you guys doing? Very well, very well. I'm wondering if uh, ugly, the ugly one has done something. That's why Dirk's calling in. Oh. Or are you just calling in, Dirk? He might be just calling in. <laughs> that, that, first that off, I want to say, uh, but history is hilarious. First off, I want to say Happy mm. National Men's Day. Oh, uh, the day that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted of his uh, convic- of his uh, accusations. You mean Vigilante Day? Oh, I think yes. I think uh, I think the two of you see this a little bit differently, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, but uh, I did not know that it was National Men's Day. That's is great. Really, National yeah. Men's Day. Because there's an International Women's Day, May 8th. Well, you know, there are men's rights activists who believe that, uh, who pro- I'm sure uh, pushed for a men's day. Or maybe it's something made up by Hallmark. Well, I don't you, know. Re- you remember we had the guys from Cirque in here. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, do, I do remember that. The, uh, that was for the rights of uh, well, little men. People not to, be, uh, not to be mutilated through circumcision. Yes, right, yes. Yeah. So, well, Dirk, uh, happy National Men's Day to you. I assume you are. I mean, I don't want to assume... <laughs> Uh, in these times, of course, but, but I assume, well, no, I, I, that hadn't entered my mind, but I assume that Dirk uh, identifies as male, uh, but, uh, you know, any... Oh, that's right. Yes. Uh, we live in different times. Yes. What pronoun do you yeah. use? <laughs> don't worry about it. You can use whatever pronouns you want to with me, but okay. um, oh, I really nice. don't care about National Men's Day either. It, it's, it's just funny that it happened today for me. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I guess. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. 
Well, well, why do you say that? Expand on that. What do you mean? Uh, that it's funny that it happened on National Men's Day? Yeah. Um, because of how partisan the issue about Kyle Rittenhouse has been. Yes. So uh, that, that's, that's why it's hilarious to me. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to call about, though, was mm. that it's a very good thing I did not do the album review on Mindless Self-Indulgence. Oh, why is that? Well, I don't know how this happened and and not and did not get on my radar because I've loved MSI for years and years. Like this is a band that helped me understand that okay, I I, I guess I'm really not a conservative uh, back in high school. Like it, it it helped me understand my actual perspective on things. Um, so like there's there's a bit of a an emotional investment in, in the music that, that I enjoy for so long. Sure. But uh, a few months ago in August, a lawsuit was, uh, was submitted about uh, Jimmy Urine. And Jimmy Urine? allegedly back when, back when Jimmy was 27 years old uh, in the late nineties, he had a two year sexual relationship with a 15 year old. Oh, and uh, so this this came out. When did this come out? August. Oh, okay. So this is what uh, state? Mm. Because I think what state? There are there are different uh, different different states have different um, about uh, age, ages of consent. Uh, ages of consent. For example, because... here in here in New Hampshire, the age is sixteen. Right. And there's well, the is year. In, this th- is in New York. Well, this yeah, oh. I guess that would be statutory rape in New York. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and even if even if it's legally it's not, it's uh, creepy, very very creepy. How how old was he? Yeah, at the, it's, he was twenty seven. What's that? How old was he yeah, at the he time? Yeah, he was twenty seven. Twenty seven with a fifteen year old. Yeah, that's bad. That's oh, uh, well, you know, Charlie Chaplin was how old with a fifteen year old? Or they were fourteen year old. Mm, Those were different times. Different right? times. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, but in the '90s, I think it's it was pretty common pretty, for people to think that's not really a good thing to be doing. Right. Yeah. That that's true. Absolutely. No, but it, it really is yeah. true. Oh yeah. 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 Not. Good. And there was a but lot of publicity little... that things like that were wrong. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Of Even course. when I was well, teenage and seven. This was also before. This, this was also before MSI was really taking off as far as they were. Mm-hmm. Um. To get a little further into the lawsuit, though, I did read this, and uh, the uh, the accuser uh, is is also going after Electra Records because uh, Electra knew what was going on, Allegedly, but didn't do anything though. about it. So, like, you had Jimmy being affectionate towards his partner uh back then like in studio in front of his bandmates so it was like the bandmates knew if this is true oh wow so if this is all if this is all true but it's it's allegations at this point is that you know we're yeah, talking about they, a civil lawsuit was filed because they've done in with the any statute of limitations how long ago was this how many uh, years the ago? late 90s when it was going on yeah so it's a you know so yeah. she, so she's, uh, so uh, she's, later. she's suing both him and the record label. That's right. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, and there are pieces that that um, help me feel, well, help me lean towards being true because um, this woman was actually um, on a T-shirt 
uh, for mindless self-indulgence merchandise a long time ago. What do you mean? Like her, like her, she was used, uh, her face the was, was on band. an MSI t-shirt. Oh, her face. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they actually used her likeness. Oh, wow. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. You're going to have to prove that they knew her age, you know, but yeah. even then it's creepy. Even then, uh, yeah. if she's faking her age with a fake ID or anything, still, uh, it, I, that doesn't exonerate. Yeah. Right, right. Now, I'm curious, Dirk, does this change for you? Does this change how you feel about the band's music? Um, if, this, if these allegations are true, uh, no more MSI for me. Mm. Um, also, no more of the left rights. Or even, you know, especially Jimmy's solo material. Um, I'm just going to drop it. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. Richard Burton, the actor, was a big superstar as a kid in the 60s. But he's also a very intelligent man. He actually spent a semester at Oxford where he'd gone to school under like a, a, a officer's training program, World War II, mm-hmm. he had a, a encyclopedic knowledge of literature and English poetry. He's very, very well known. Him and Bobby Kennedy, the uh, former attorney general and senator, JFK's brother, used to try to one up each other with uh, Shakespeare's sonnets. Mm-hmm. But he couldn't beat he couldn't beat Richard Burton. He knew a lot of poets. Uh, the great Welsh poet. God, here I am again. Uh, 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 his name's escaping me. Under Milk Wood. Dylan Thomas, very close friend of his. He said, the uh, the nicer the man, the worse the poet. Dylan Thomas, <laughs> he, always, he always felt guilty for his entire life because he couldn't give Dylan Thomas. He was always hitting him up for money because yeah. he's a great poet. And they're both Welsh, but you don't make much money from poetry. Yeah. Although he did perform at the BBC, but he was a drunkard and a womanizer. And he went to America in the 50s to get some uh, some money. I guess in New York, uh, you're always willing to pay for a Welsh poet. To uh, He was famous for that. And he drank himself to death at the White Horse Tavern down in Greenwich Village. Yeah. And Burton thought, you know, always blamed himself. But he said, you know, the worse, the, 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 the worse, the, the better the human being, the worse the poet. Yeah. And he could only remember one poet of any value that was a good guy. And then he remembered, well, he wasn't really a poet. <laughs> <laughs> he was a critic. Yeah. I, get, I mean, genius. Yeah. I don't know all this band you're talking about, but genius seems to go uh, hand in hand with, you know, yeah, <laughs> craziness, no. bad behavior. Yeah. A feeling it does. rules don't apply to you because in your, they, right. you know. Well, that's, that's why I wanted to ask Dirk that because the psychology of this is very interesting to me and how, you know, how do people decide um, whether something is too much uh, to accept from a creative person in terms of behavior? And do you compartmentalize or can you compartmentalize the music uh, separately from that, that person's behavior? It's Matt, very yeah, interesting. Matt, Matt, your band Kiss, mm-hmm. who I loved when I was a kid, one of their big hits was Christine 16, you know? Yes, and, and, they, and, they, and they still play it. And I really don't think that... <laughs> and it's a uh, great song. And they were, uh, Yeah, and uh, one of their best songs. Yeah. And I don't think they actually had a... He, that he, it was Gene Simmons, I think, wrote it. Correct, yeah. And I don't think he actually had a 16-year-old. Maybe he did or not. I know, uh, you know, 
One of the reasons they always, Brian Epstein, the manager of the Beatles, made sure they had prostitutes was so that not, uh, you know, no teenager got in there. Ah, that's uh, <laughs> that's smart. That's yeah. smart. Because, that, yeah. you know, lawsuits, arrests galore. Yeah. And, and Jerry Lee Lewis married his 13-year-old first cousin. Oh, yeah. So that wrecked his career for it, a while. It did. It did. So no more uh, no more MSI for you, huh, Dirk? Um, unfortunately not, unless I um, find that these accusations are are false, which I, I don't know how likely that is. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, that's a that's a bummer. Have you um have you had yeah. to make this decision with any other artists where where you you learn something about them that's disgusting or unsettling, and you just have to say, you know what, I don't think I'm going to listen to their music anymore. Um. Not as much. Um, so I, I listen to black metal. And um, have you heard of the band Burzum? I, no, I'm not familiar with them. Okay. So Burzum is a one-man band uh, that is done by Varg Vikernes. Now, Varg Vikernes, also, also known as uh, Count Grishnak, was temporarily a bassist for uh, the band Mayhem. Now, the, the thing about black metal in Norway during the 90s was it was a, it was a gigantic, um, you know, ping contest between each other of, like, who could, who could like, one-up each other more and, mm-hmm. and, like, which people were the posers. It was so, <laughs> uh, I, 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 it was so, um, oh, I, I forget the term of it, but... Um, uh, hipster. It, it was like hipsters before we were using hipsters to describe a certain type of people last decade. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, what what Varg did was uh, he decided to burn churches. And oh, the churches. Yes, I remember this story yeah. now. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. So not only were they churches, though, they also kept family records. So. Varg essentially deleted so much family history by doing his church burnings. And um, uh, he also killed the founder of Mayhem. So, um, a bit of a big deal. He, he spent a lot of time in prison over this. He was the uh, not Francois only this, of the lawn of his time. He, mm. he was a great French poet, yeah. also a murderer. Oh, wow. The lawn was, was one of the greatest poets in France. Yeah, I mean, a publicity stunt is one thing, but my goodness. Oh, he's high-spirited. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah high-spirited. Something moved he, him. <laughs> you also count this along with the uh, the fact that Varg is also a racist. Uh, this is a guy that is uh, obsessed with the workings of J.R.R. Tolkien, but thinks that the elves were uh, know, a I've comparison to like the this. Jews. Oh, oh no, I kidding. didn't hear about that. I've heard other things. Oh, wow. <laughs> Well, one of the greatest writers yeah. in French in the 20th century was Céline, uh, Louis Ferdinand Céline, who wrote beautifully uh, two of his great novels, Death on the Installment Plan, and, geez, what's the other one for French? But you know what? He was a vicious anti-Semite, yeah. and that's like a conundrum in French literature because he is a great writer. <laughs> he, Why they didn't shoot him after the war, uh, we, 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 nobody knows. They shot a lot of collaborators. Hmm. But uh, that's one of their, you know, they have to deal with the fact that one of their great writers, Celine, was vicious anti-Semite, and it's it's in uh, his latter works too. Or uh, yeah, look at Pond, Ezra Pond, one of the greatest poets 
he really is the father of what we'd call modernism. Without him, T.S. Eliot, uh, The Wasteland would be like a Swinburne poem. And the, he was the great editor. He, went, he was in Italy. He, used, he made broadcasts from Mussolini of the most rancid type. Mm. He was a vicious anti-Semite. Well, later on, Allen Ginsberg went to see him. And as an old man, he says, oh, well, I really regret being an anti-Semite. That's a middle-class vice. But, you know, he's an old man yeah. trying to save his soul. Yeah. He was actually, uh, rather than executed, because he did propaganda broadcasts, uh, because people like Robert Frost, he's an artist. He's crazier than, you know, Hemingway writes about him. There was something with, he was a genius, but there was something, you know, wrong there. Mm. But he was in St. Elizabeth's Hospital for 12 years. And Eisenhower eventually let him out, and then he went back to Italy. But, you know, here you deal with the great early poet. And I, I have a couple of volumes on my shelf, and I was reading them again and again after 40 years. I'm thinking, oh, you know, I think I'm past this. But it's his latter stuff. Mm -hmm. And he used to, he would go on radio, and Americans, like intelligence officers that were well-educated and knew who he was, are listening to him say, Eleanor Roosevelt sleeps with... And then the worst word in English, you know, for yeah, yeah. an ethnic group. Yeah. Still a horrifying slur. And and then, too. Yeah. And they're saying, this is the great Ezra Pond? Wow. I mean, when you're dealing with the, the creative mind. People are flawed, and creative people are flawed, and some might say creative people are, are more, even more flawed. That line than, between uh, genius and yeah. madness. See, I don't even know what I would do. I haven't been in the position. Like, I've never found myself in the position that Dirk is in where someone— whose music I was really into. Like, God help me if, if you know, we ever find out something horrible about Gene Simmons or Paul Stanley. I don't know what I'll do, you know what I mean, <laughs> as a KISS fan. Yeah, well, I'm, still, I'm still trying to make my point about Varg, though. Oh, yes. Um, because because um, he, the, the thing about Varg is that I can I can actually carbonalize yep. um, yeah. what, what, like his history. Mm -hmm. um, because Varg was not the only member of Mayhem that wanted to kill... The founder, either like people hated that guy, like loathed that man <laughs> well, and, and, and the way that he he did things. There's yeah. a difference um, between killing somebody which, and loathing somebody. Which I'm not going to try to justify a murder. Like I've always like I, I saw it as self defense because Varg knew that the guy wanted to kill him too. Yeah, but um, the for the anti semitism part though, that was ingrained into Varg in childhood. He came from a a significantly racist family. And if if you think that you're going to be able, to, if you think that someone is going to just plop themselves out of that without some help, you're naive. Of course, he, like it is going to be, it is going to be on him to to get himself out of that mentality. If I could, if if I could help him with that, I absolutely would. Uh, but he's also very horrific in his understanding of science. He doesn't understand things like human evolution or really basics of biology he doesn't know how any of this works why why do you focus so, on it though there's a lot of people that? that are ignorant they're ignorant idiot savants you know why would you focus on that why would you expect the guy what is this it's rock and roll rock music or whatever what are you, what are you expecting i mean uh turner jw turner the, the great english painter they say he had no intelligence whatsoever, except he, when it came to color and painting and manipulating. That was his you know, life. Hmm. I mean, Francis Bacon, the great painter of the 20th century, there's a, there was a real case. I think they even made a movie of him with uh, Derek Jacobi. And, uh, but what paintings that he made. 
you know, yeah. Ezra Pound was obsessed with economics, and so many of his latter sonnets are about it. But it's just gibberish. It's like somebody, there's some great yeah. artist that lo- falls in love with Marxism to save his his or her soul or something. And it's just, you know, geez, the things uh, John Lennon said uh, at various times. I mean, nothing <laughs> like this. He didn't kill right, anybody. Right, of he course. just insulted Paul. You know, the sound you make is Muzak <laughs> to my ears. But he said, hey, I'm, Paul was insulting me on his record, but it, it's more subtle. <laughs> right, right, yes. But I wouldn't yeah. think of an artist of... Uh, from being any great thinker or anything. Hmm. I mean, it's a miracle that the the muse is something from the gods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Wow. I wouldn't be thinking, the guy's a real ass. I think Woody Allen was one of the greatest filmmakers any uh, ever. And, uh, but his, his personal life's a train wreck. But v- I don't turn against his movies. But it sounds like Varg is irredeemable is what you're saying, uh, Dirk. Well, his music, though. Well, is that redeemable? If, if Varg was able to get the right kind of people to to reach him and help him, like understand and, and have a better scientific understanding, it's irrelevant. I think that would that could do some good. But I don't really know. This is a guy that lives off the grid. But either way, mm. this is a case of a guy who is who is crazy, but but somehow is able to create this gorgeous music about fantasy and um, uh, right. yeah. Nordic uh, Nordic uh, literature and, and works. Yeah. Jesus, mm. Newt Hampson, the Norwegian Nobel Prize winner, who wrote Hunger, who was Bukowski, Charles Bukowski's favorite uh, writer. And Bukowski, I didn't know who Bukowski, the great American poet, was until I was in Germany. Because in America, he wrote about working people. Nobody wants to know about working people <laughs> in America. Uh, uh, <laughs> Rob Ezevedo knows. No, you know. And people say, who's who's Bukowski? Who's Bukowski? He's on French TV. They have a poem by him every day, you know. And this is a guy, the F-bomb, C-word, everything. Everything's about hookers and being drunk and being at the track, being fired from jobs. I mean, he was a pretty loathsome person, too. Although I, I met his widow. She was... Uh, uh, <laughs> Linda, she was very nice. Oh. And she, he wasn't all that bad, you know. But yeah. you, get, you get him drunk and... I mean, Hampson collaborated, you know, was a very old man. He collaborated with the Nazis. I mean, a Nobel Prize when it was shameful. Yeah. But you can't hold an artist to that standard. I knew a woman that was famous, an actress. I'm not going to mention her name. And it really irritated. He said, I can't understand why anybody would want to be famous. I, rich, yeah. Mm-hmm. That comes with that because mm-hmm. that's a benefit. Yeah. But being famous, particularly, this was 20 years ago when social media... Everybody, the cell phones, everything. You're just being haunted. Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. The Just Because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. 
The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. You don't really have, where do we get the right to say that this person should live their life this way? Because Oprah Winfrey makes a living off of that type of, you know, well, I, gossip. We take their art. You know. Well, I think um, I think ultimately, and I'm curious if, if you agree. Give a damn about the person. Curious if you agree, Dirk. I think ultimately, really, it's not, it's not something that there's a right or wrong answer to, or it's not a matter of having a right to make these judgments. It's it's up to each individual, uh, whatever they're comfortable with. I mean, if you're, for example, if you're no longer comfortable listening to MSI because of Johnny Urine and the 15-year-old girl, uh, that's um, that's your right, and and I certainly respect you for that, for saying, you know what, I I cannot uh, disassociate the music from the person, and I think the person has done some pretty reprehensible things, so I'm no longer comfortable listening to that. But by the same token, I would assume, and, and tell me if I'm right about this, I would assume that if someone you know who also knows this story, who's a fan, decides to continue to be a fan of the music, if not necessarily the person, I assume you wouldn't hold that against them, would you? That's that's completely right. That is completely right. Um, so I'll also say this. I mean, sure, uh, Varg has some horrible ideals that are that are dumb and backwards, but at least he never he didn't sleep with a 15-year-old while being 27 years old. No, he just killed somebody, <laughs> he can't right? can't reverse that. <laughs> Do you think killing somebody is uh, less than sleeping with a 15-year-old? Well, that is a good point John yeah. makes. Uh, that, that, that's, uh, you know. Um. <laughs> I mean, if this guy wasn't maladjusted, if he wasn't so F-worded up, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have made that music. If hmm. you wanted some well-adjusted person, it's what Richard Harris, the Irish oh, actor, that's a good point. who was uh, made Mutiny in the Body with Marlon Brando. Now, Marlon Brando... Olivier, who was considered the great actor of his of two gener three generations, said, you know, there is the actor. You know, what an amazing Brando. Mm -hmm. But he was a bastard. He was reprehensible. If he liked you, he'd be a good friend. And, but he hated acting. He hated being a celebrity. Yeah. And he was a genius. The, and the problem with being, and John Huston said there was only one actor that was a genius. And his father was one of the great actors, Walter Huston. Multiple Oscar nominations as a big star in the 30s, a Broadway star, and won Best Supporting Actor Oscar in the Sierra Madre. So there was only one actor that was a genius, and that was Brando. He said, it's like being in a, a basement at night, and suddenly the furnace door comes open. Mm -hmm. But an actor is supposed to take direction. And when you have an artist like that's a genius and a brilliant like Brando, he wants to direct. Yeah. Now, in Last Tango in Paris... Bertolucci just let him write the whole the thing virtually. That's just him with a camera extemporaneously with just barely an outline, and it's one of the, probably the greatest performance on film. My dad was talking about that film recently. Yeah, it's yeah, it was with Clockwork Orange. They got huge hit, very controversial, but for some reason it's not talked about as revolutionary as it was. But he was on uh, Mutiny and the Bounty because you know if they offered him like, the for a million dollars to be in this remake, Hollywood remake. It was a disaster. And Richard Harris was just starting. And he was dealing with Brandy. He was just a bastard to, to him, to yeah. everybody. <laughs> and that was the beginning of his great decline, 10-year decline, when The Godfather brought him back to yeah. the greatest comeback ever. But yeah. Harris said, there's a, a great actor who, who left 
great performances on his psyche, psychiatrist couch. <laughs> well, Dirk, and, uh, Dirk, did you did you have anything to add? Well, discussion. I mean, mm. it. yeah, yeah. You, know, you know how it is. I try to I try to uh, promote um, artists that I genuinely in, enjoy and and th- and uh, you know want to listen to. So that's what the reviews are, are for. So, yes, yes. Um, I'll just find other stuff to review. Uh, but I'll I'll get off the line here uh, before I do. Uh, John, I really do not want this to sound like I'm just kissing up to you. Oh, it is a treat whenever you come into the studio for the show. Oh, thank so I, you. I really do enjoy you being in there. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yes, John Opwood is very popular among uh, among the audience these days. We'll have to, you'll have to call my show. We'll have a discussion about Alistair Crowley. I realized Ooh. he was up here in New Hampshire. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I'll have, to dig up my, I'll have to dig up my grimoire. <laughs> All right, Dirk. Thank you for the call, my friend. <laughs> yeah, see you guys. All right, take care. Bye-bye. All right, that is Dirk Don, also known as Papa Dirk from uh, Arrogant Media. Uh, you can uh, go on YouTube and subscribe to the Arrogant Media YouTube channel. They produce a lot of great content. And Dirk, of course, is part of Matt Connerton Unleashed with his weekly music review. And speaking of uh, reviews, uh, coming up today at the top of the hour, we've got this week's classic film review from our friend Eric Pilcher. And this week it is. And, John, I know you disagree with the classification of this as a classic film, but, you know, it's all uh, subjective. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. There this is week's, a classic uh, review. There is a classic scene in that film. Well, yes. <laughs> yes. But getting back to... Certainly. <laughs> Dirk's always interesting to hear and fascinating. His, even though I don't know the music that he's talking about, yeah. his reviews are interesting because I stopped listening to... Uh, well, I don't think he's really pop music, but I just... You know, my, after 1991, I kind of... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Stop listening to uh, most contemporary music. Well, I remember you saying uh, Madonna's uh, Immaculate Collection was the last uh, music so. that you and, purchased. And uh, U2, the oh. one from Berlin. Oh, okay. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, something that always... Uh, I don't care about Nabokov, which we in English is Nabokov, but it's Nabokov. Vladimir Nabokov, considered one of the greatest writers. I've never really liked reading him. I just don't like his style. I just know him from Don't Stand So Close by the police. Right. And the, <laughs> and when I was listening, uh, I had a girlfriend, you know, we were Russian linguists. Well, she was because I flunked out. And she's wondering why I always call them Nabokov. And then when she's listening, oh, that's oh, yeah. right. <laughs> that's yeah, well, that's what they say in English, but it's Nabokov. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, he wrote Lolita. And Lolita is just like Burgess. Anthony Burgess wrote all sorts of novels, poems, symphonies, music, and everything. He's known for A Clockwork Orange. Now, uh, Nabokov is known for Lolita. Oh, and, okay. you know, there's a... I, don't, I know about Nabokov, and there's nothing about him with a 12-year-old or anything. But that novel's always bothered me because it is basically about an, el- an older man raping a 12, 12-year-old girl. Yeah. And, see, uh, my problem was with the art, not really the artist. And I actually saw Edward Albee's... Uh, adaptation of Lolita for the stage with with Donald Sutherland, who gave an honorary Oscar to, could not act on stage. It was mm. just this awful thing. But it's strange about you know what are you know when you when you're dealing with taboo subjects mm-hmm. like A Clockwork Orange, yeah, which uh, I think is the greatest movie ever made in just the sheer aesthetic terms. It's perfect. I gotta, I gotta watch that again. But it's a shocker. But it's yeah. meant to be shocking. Right. That violence is meant to be 
horrifying. Oh, of course. And it yeah. is. My sister, I was watching it years ago, 30 years ago. Turn that movie off. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's this? Hi, Matt. It's Ron. You guys, please forgive me for interrupting. I didn't mean to break into your uh, no, not at all. conversation. Pineapple we, pizza? We, we, Channel 4, I, I'm flipping back and forth, and um, Kyle Rittenhouse um, acquitted on all charges, in oh, case yeah. you guys weren't aware or didn't know. Oh, yes, oh, absolutely. We know. Oh, we know. I wasn't following oh, okay. it, though, because uh, Dirk was saying how partisan it was. Yeah. I just wasn't following it. I didn't want to be triggered by it. I was having my... Uh, I, I just hope the uh, streets remain calm. I hate to see uh, something silly happen over this. Yeah, it. Uh, I I, I won't be particularly surprised either way if 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 there uh, if things do get uh, if there are. I mean, I I think there will be protests, but I, I I'm hopeful that there's no violence. Remember, he's. Yeah, going I, to... I hope uh, police presidents presidents is, um, you know, well thought out in advance. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. My mother lives in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. So, uh, you know, sure they have, I want her to be right? safe. Yeah. They got the National Guard ready, I'm sure, oh, yeah. around the SWAT. Yeah, no doubt. Team. No doubt. Okay, guys, have a good weekend. That was my uh, two cents. I didn't know if you knew it or not. Oh, absolutely. All right, Ron, thank you for the call, my friend. Good night. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, All right. What do you think of the verdict? You know, I kind of wasn't... Uh, following it that closely myself in terms of um i've been uh what i've been saying about it on the show and actually and actually on other shows that i've been on too talking about it is that i whenever we have a case like this i i tend to not worry so much about you know the court you know the laws are different in every state when it comes to guns and self-defense and and all of that And, and so it gets very complicated so i tend to say well you know the 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 jury will decide, but um, and that but, is but the I, foundation of well, our yes. society, which is based on law. It is the jury, right? So, so when we're talking about these, although I do have some sp- more precise thoughts regarding the other big trial that's going on right now, oh, Am- yeah. Ahmad Arbery. I think I think that's real that, vigilante. I think that's that's cre- clearly vigilantism. Yes, a lynching. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, no, but I so I grapple with the larger question here. Whenever a case like this is presented, and that is, what is the responsibility of, well, look, if you're in a situation where it's kill or be killed, but you're the one who put yourself in that situation knowing you are going into, you know, a a scenario where that might be the case, where it's kill or be killed, how much of the responsibility is on you as the person who put yourself in that situation versus how much responsibility is it on the other people who are now a danger to you because you put yourself in that situation? And that's what I struggle with. Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have been there. I think that's the one thing that everybody can agree on. Was there a curfew? He, he should not. Yes. And he violated it. Correct. No. Nope. He... So in, th- in theory, no one should have been there legally because there was an established curfew. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have been there. So, you know, if you just look at it that way... You, I'd say, okay, well, he's guilty then because he put himself in that situation. On the other hand, he was there um, and other people were attacking him and he felt that his life was in jeopardy. So he was defending himself. Well, if you look at it strictly on that, then you would say, well, he's not guilty of anything. He was defending himself. It's self-defense. Because of the laws of the state of Wisconsin. Right. But that's not what I'm talking. I'm just talking about in a larger, just morally and ethically in a broader sense. When you put yourself in a situation where you should know that this is a possibility. Let me give you another example. 
So uh, I go back to Trayvon Martin when he was killed by George Zimmerman. So on the one hand, um, Trayvon, when he got to his home after being stalked, and I do you know, call it stalking by Zimmerman, Trayvon, he should have just gone inside. He should not have uh, turned around and gotten into an altercation with Zimmerman. So he's yeah. on, he's on top of Zimmerman. He's pummeling him. Zimmerman thinks he's about to be pummeled to death, so he shoots him in self-defense. So if you look at it that way, well, Zimmerman's not guilty. But who created the scenario? Well, Zimmerman did. Zimmerman, Zimmerman should not have been stalking him to begin with. Zimmerman was told by law enforcement on the phone, do not follow him. Uh, Zimmerman shouldn't have just been following the kid, and he was a kid. Just and be- he was a kid. Just because, oh, there's a black kid wearing a hoodie at the apparently very late hour of 7 p.m. in my neighborhood. Oh, he's, he's up to something. i got to follow him. Zimmerman should not have been doing that to begin with. Uh, it shouldn't have been harassing him that way. So Right. And So ultimately, now we know who the jury decided legally was at fault. They, they acquitted Zimmerman. But I grapple with the larger question morally and ethically. Uh, Zimmerman created the, the conditions for that to happen. Yes. Um, but then again, regardless of whether or not he created those conditions, and he clearly did, but then Martin, what is what is he supposed to do yeah. when Trayvon Martin is on top of him, pummeling him? Is he supposed to just allow himself to be beaten to death? Well, of course not. So I, this is what I grapple with, John. I grapple with this larger question about personal responsibility and who's responsible for what in these uh, situations. And and so I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about that with Rittenhouse. Like I said, Ahmaud Arbery, I have much more... That uh, seems... That's, that seems much more concrete to me. Yeah, of course, of course. Some people, I think, though, they um, they think of it... They try to think of these things the way that I think of them in ways... In, in uh, situations where it's not appropriate to. For example, the death of George Floyd. That's as cut and dry as it gets to me. We all saw him, George Floyd, being murdered on video, and yet there are people who will say, "Oh well, you know, he shouldn't have been in that situation. He shouldn't have tried to try to pass that counterfeit twenty or whatever it is." And it's like, okay, okay come on, right, this is pretty clear cut. Passing counterfeit money isn't a death sentence, right? And as a, a law enforcement uh, uh, officer, who's a friend of mine said, once it's you disabled somebody with a hold. Once they're disabled, it's over. You're supposed mm-hmm. to stop immediately. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the standard operating procedure. Right. I right. mean, when you're in the Army, there are, it's hard to believe that there are rules of warfare or what you can and can do. Mm-hmm. But there are. There are, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So that's um, so that's where I am with it. I, I just kind of said with Rittenhouse, I just kind of said, well, you know, the jury will decide. But it is interesting, though. The laws are so different from state to state. The gun laws and 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 what is your right to you know how far does your right to self defense go? Do you have to meet uh, the aggressor with proportionate uh, you know right. aggression to defend yourself, or can you go beyond that? Do you have a right to re- I mean, do you have a duty to retreat? I should say some or, states, or, or can you stand your ground? You know, it's it it varies wildly, and it's I uh, and clearly um, you could take this trial that happened in Wisconsin. You could go to any other state with it and you might have a different outcome based, you know, all, oh, yeah. all other things being equal, the prosecutors, the jury, the judge, everything, all other things being exactly the same, but in another state, you might have a completely different outcome because the laws are so disparate, uh, so disparate between the states. Right. You couldn't have a long gun, uh, like Rittenhouse 
on a street in New York or Massachusetts. Yeah. Because of much stricter gun control laws. Yeah. Or even California over the last somewhat odd years. Yeah. You remember what I told you once about the street, the logic? Uh, this isn't about people wearing shorts either. Street logic. Is that a hip hop group? I thought that was the band that you were in. Street logic. No. Amongst people that are, make their living on the street. Once you put on a gun or a weapon, oh, yes, you've yes. given yourself a death sentence because they're going to consider you're going to kill them. So to put on, uh, to bear an arm, we're not talking about the police mm-hmm. who probably do have no, no street logic. And we're not talking about uh, Joe Sixpack or the mili- militia uh, yahoos. We're talking about people on the street. The demimond, the criminal element. You put you you bear a gun, you've passed a death sentence on yourself. It's uh, similar to what James Jones said about what it's like in World War II to get through basic training and get through your training. You've entered onto the rolls of the dead. Now you might survive, but you've gone right. beyond the veil. Now they're going to throw you into Guadalcanal or Tarawa. So based on that, then would you say from your perspective that Rittenhouse, he was, uh, I think because he had the gun, he was a very provocative act. He was looking, he was looking to kill somebody. There's little doubt in my mind. Really? Of course. You think so? (laughs) You're armed with a gun? Like you're going out like that? He's, he was looking to kill somebody. Wasn't there a a bit of a videotape that got disallowed? I'm not sure because he was going to go out, you know, I wasn't, I I wasn't following that. Yeah. I wasn't following closely enough to know that really. You really really think though. So, so you, you, you think there was premeditation with a a rifle, with an armed, with that type of weapon. He did have an assault rifle. Did he not? It's an AR 15. It's an assault rifle. Okay. You know know more about guns than I do. Yeah. Civilian, uh, uh, version of the M 16. I had as a soldier. He's out hunting. He's out to kill somebody. You don't think he went there just to uh, because he wanted to be part of the action in terms of defending businesses you mean and all action, that? right? Well, oh, how how do you defend that by killing somebody, by shooting somebody? When you have a uh, when you're armed, you have made the statement that I'm willing to kill somebody. And the other thing about street logic, I forgot that. Unless you're willing to drop that hammer and kill. Don't have a weapon because mm. somebody will take it right away from you. And, you know, this other thing, there's more graphic language like stick it up your or they'll kill you with it. Mm-hmm. But they'll take it away from you. Any fool that has a weapon that's armed that doesn't intend to use it, you're a damn fool. Mm. You are literally a damn fool. But you don't go out armed. Defend stuff. He, is he a, is he sworn? Well, how old was he? Was he in the military? No, he said was he in the militia. Seventeen. A real militia, not you know. Seventeen. State. I'm not defend. You understand? I'm not defending him. I'm just saying that must though. have had something to do with the jury too. If but he's just seventeen. But I would not. Well, yeah. But I would not have. Uh, see, I would not say. You don't. You got. You don't play with guns. Right, but you're. I would not presume premeditation. Uh, so someone can't take a gun in a situation like that. And just say, well, you know, I, I want to be a cowboy. I'm going to go and I'm going to go and stand. What does a cowboy do? 
Yeah, but but you have people in these scenarios standing in, in front of businesses. Hell, it happened here and, in it happened here in Manchester right, on that's South Willow why, Street. Uh, they, yeah. nobody nobody got shot, but, but so they could have. They could have. Right. Now with this great example, well, that I do worry about. This great example, we had a mayoral candidate stand out there with him. I do. I I, I do worry about. Uh, you see, what you're saying is, people. I don't mean to say you're naive, but you are naive because well, I'm actually you just, don't go I'm, out with I'm, weapons. I'm, I'm, I'm actually just trying to explore different angles to, to have a discussion on a radio show, John. I'm not, you, 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 you always do this. You assume that I, that I'm taking a position when all I'm doing is trying to look at because from I, that, different perspectives. Because from my, I am, <laughs> uh, I'm taking the, yeah, you're being the, uh, I specifically said, I'm not, I'm not defending or condemning him. I'm just, I'm trying to explore well, different angles here. Well, it's like I said, I didn't follow it closely enough to form a strong opinion, so I, I, I'm grappling with the larger question. I'm just, uh, I'm coming from where I was enculturated. Been around yeah. guns all my life. But, but. NRA, junior NRA. But I quit. Yeah. Over the assault ban. But people, people carry guns with no intention of actually using them unless it's what? necessary. People and what does it mean necessary? People what? carry guns for self-defense. What does that mean necessary? Well, if you have to defend yourself from being killed, killing, killed yourself, killing somebody because you don't, oh, yeah. you don't shoot. One of the other things is you shoot center mass. You don't shoot somebody in the leg or yeah. I mean, some of these. Uh, I hate to say it. I was watching one uh, video from last year. It was. It didn't become a big controversy, but some kid had a gun. It's not the one you're probably thinking about. Where the kid comes out of that convenience store. It's in a neighborhood. And then the co he just moves his, he's got a pistol, he moves his arm, and that cop shoots him right center mass. Mm -hmm. Not in the head, because you might miss. You shoot right towards the solar plexus. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. You shoot to kill. Shooting to wound is in movies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, getting shot and then just getting up and shaking things off. I mean, any guy that's been in a real a fist fight or anything, it hurts for a long time. Of course, of when course. When they break your nose or they smash you in the ribs. There's four months of sleeping on your other side. Oh, yeah. But, you know, in the movies, they're just such a... You know, that's one of the things about... Uh, well, Clockwork Orange is so highly stylized. It's all shot with the very short lenses to actually distort stuff. But, you know, Kubrick, this is 71. This is the first violence that's being shown on the screen. Uh... Bonnie and Clyde was 67 that used squibs to show blood. Then uh, you had the Wild Bunch, which, which, you know, with the massacre as the climax, all sorts of squirting blood. And then, you know, that was a real shock in those times. They didn't show stuff like that. I mean, they, you know, they cowboys would be shooting Indians and they'd fall off the horse. Do you ever wonder why Indians always just, they just go round and round and all get killed? It's like one Native American, I think it was Dennis Banks or something. That's the movies. Nobody actually did that, but it's very cinematic. Right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They asked the great director John uh, Ford for Oscars. Uh, one of his contemporaries, it must have been Howard Hawks, said at the big stagecoach, "Why don't the Indians just shoot the uh, lead horse?" He said, "Because then we'd only have a ten-minute-long movie." Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you know, yeah. there's ideas about what this is. Yeah. And what's the real uh, reality of violence? It's uh, you know it's it's there in a Clockwork Orange, although it's so uh, everybody uh, uh, except for the uh, Padre. Well, even he's very arch. But I'm talking you haven't seen the movie in a long time. 
And Alex is being conditioned to be physically sick by watching violent films. And one of the ironies in the movie says, oh, you know, the blood starts flowing like it's on tap and it's made by the same company. And it's only real when you're watching it on the big screen in the cine. Probably here's a guy that's beating me right? Right. And, and watching it. It's more real to him than that. And he's saying to a woman psychiatrist after the first day of conditioning where it makes you physically sick and death-like paralysis, violence always used to make me feel so horror show, which means wonderful, great. Yeah. And this made me feel awful. He says, and this woman, you're getting better. Violence is terrible. You know, not <laughs> like she feels it. It's just something she's saying. Right, right. But violence is terrible. Yeah. That movie makes people, even to this day, Violent reactions to it. Yeah, it wasn't it's not supposed to be pretty, right? Although he's a ge- he was a genius, Kubert. So Dirk is in the chat room and said something, and this is um, what I was trying to articulate. Although I'm not sure I did, but I'll read what he said. Uh, there were others outside of Kenosha who openly had their rifles trying to defend businesses, just as Kyle did. Kyle was just in the unfortunate situation where he had people going after him. I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know that people uh, you could you can just go out and defend any place, even when the police tell you not to. I can just strap on a gun and 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 go and defend. That's called vigilanteism. That's vigilanteism. Just just standing guard. What you would call that vigilanteism? They were they were going after his house. They were going after his business. Oh, I see. Because Kyle had right. Well, again, I go back to. I think we all agree he, he shouldn't was have been, hunting. He, he shouldn't have been there. He was hunting. It's you know, Alex is fifteen years old in the novel, but since um, uh, Malcolm McDowell, who was in a great movie before three years called If, but Lindsay Anderson If, that's a great movie. People should see. Watch that before you watch a Clockwork Orange. He was twenty-seven years old, so they made Alex seventeen. Mm-hmm. To me, you know. The just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. Hi, I'm Frank. I don't like change. And I just saw a billboard for this new BJ's Wholesale Club talking about up to 25% off grocery store prices. Oh, really? What's wrong with paying full price, huh? No, sir. I would not join BJ's Wholesale Club. Let's agree to disagree, Frank. Say you do want to sign up to get a $40 digital BJ's gift card. Join the new BJ's Wholesale Club, opening soon in New Albany. Visit BJ's.com slash New Albany or the BJ's Membership Center on North Hamilton Road. Limited time offer, new members only. I didn't realize watching it when I was a kid that he was supposed to be my age. I saw it when I was like oh, 16 really? yeah. or 17. Yeah. But Alex is 15 because most of your violence, including a lot of murders, like between kids that are like 18 and 20 eight or something, but even the, the cohort, the violence, like Trayvon Martin, he's young. I'm not going to back down. Right. I'm right, a man. Right. That You know, Alex is proving he's a man. I need to watch that again. 
It's a tough uh, thing to watch. Uh, Eric's uh, review of that made me want to watch it again, and then you talking about it as well. Because, like I said, I, I think I was like, uh, I think I was 17 actually when I watched that. When a friend and I watched it, and I think we got about maybe maybe a quarter to a third into it, and and we were just like, uh, we were just kind of uncomfortable, and uh, it's, yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be because what the woman says, violence is supposed to make you sick. Right, right. But see, in movies, they do aestheticize it, you know, mm-hmm. make it easy. Like uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I saw one of the movies, uh, Commando, where, you know, a grenade goes off and he goes up in the air. Then he just shakes, shakes it off and then it goes back. I've seen, whereas, uh, uh, you know, somebody, a uh, grenade goes off, you use, you lose your legs, mm-hmm. you, lose, you lose your life or yeah. you lose your guts yeah. or whatever. But, uh I mean, <laughs> when did when did they put a badge on him? Because in the old days, like a, a sheriff would swear, you know, put up your hand. Uh, I'm going to make you into a posse. Right, uh, right. deputized. Posse yeah. comitus, the, well, the law. Yeah. You know, you, you, I didn't know that. Uh, but once again, it's state law. Yeah. Whether I can take on the uh, the the state power. Because when I grew up, when I went through university, the state— not just talking about the United States, but the states themselves, because the states traditionally have the exercise the police power, mm-hmm. and they have a monopoly on violence, which included capital punishment. Although you know that was pretty uh, passe by the time uh, I grew up, but uh, yeah, it's called suasive force violence, and the state has a monopoly on it for a good reason, right? So people don't start the uh, Killing people. Dirty Harry is a great movie. Uh, Pauline Kael, the great uh, critic, called it a fascist, uh, a fascist movie. She hated, loathed Clint Eastwood. But the second movie, which wasn't as good, where is about vigilantes and the police force, and they try to recruit Harry, who's you know Harry Callahan. Shoot first, ask questions later, and he says, "No, I'm the. I won't join you guys. You know where does it all stop?" Yeah. Because they used to have uh, police death squads in Brazil. And, you know, there's allegations now they still have stuff like oh, that yeah. in various cities. Oh, yeah. But he says, so, you know, some your, na- your your neighbor's dog takes a crap in your yard and you shoot him. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've seen stuff like that. But, yeah, you know, this kid's going to have, have uh, is going to go through the civil system now. But, you know, he has no assets. Right, yeah. His I, life's yeah. destroyed. It's funny, I actually hadn't thought of that, but yeah, civil lawsuits. There's nothing they can get from him. Right. His well, AR-15. Well, well, what about his... Can they... Because he's a minor, can they go after his family in a civil suit? I, I don't know. Yeah. It'll depend on uh, the state. Yeah. Then the, then the uh, Justice Department can indict him for... Uh, was anybody... Uh, what was the color of the people he shot? I know one of them was black. Well, then he can get hit with a civil... Uh, a civil rights violation. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. Yeah, so that's... You the know. reason for that law was from the South where they would indict some uh, cracker sheriff or something lynching people like the three guys in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Mississippi Burning made mm-hmm. a fictionalized version of it. Yeah. And uh, although a lot of it was true. And uh, they'd get off because the jury'd let them off. So then they'd hit them with federal law charges, violation of civil rights. Well, listen, we are uh, we're just about at the top of the hour, so I think what we'll do is we're going to go to... Uh, a perfect movie, too. 
after this discussion. Yes, yes. <laughs> Eric Pilcher's a classic film review this week. He has reviewed Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So we're going to give this a listen. It's uh, become a very popular feature on the show. And then, of course, we'll show some love to our amazing sponsors so we can pay the bills. And then we'll be back with our number two of Matt Connerton Unleashed. Don't go away. More to come. As the pure 80s vibe of the cars moving in motion plays, a sultry Linda Barrett, played by Phoebe Cates, in a skimpy red two-piece bikini becomes the object of Brad Hamilton's, who is played by Judge Reinhold, Fantasies and Desires. We are now introduced to high school comedy, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. This 1982 film is directed by Amy Heckerling and based off the book written by Cameron Crowe, who would later direct the hit film Almost Famous. Crowe wrote the book after posing as a student in a high school for one year. The film tells the tale of teens at Ridgemont High throughout one school year. During this year, we encounter looking for love freshman Stacy Hamilton, ticket scalping wannabe Lothario Mike Damone, his friend, the confidence-lacking, well-meaning Mark Rat Ratner, the aforementioned Brad Hamilton, who is Stacy's older brother, Linda Barrett, and last, and really most known, Sean Penn in his breakout role as surfer stoner, Jeff Spicoli. Spicoli is a character that steals every scene he is in. The best comparison one can make is whenever Kramer enters Jerry's apartment in Seinfeld. The attention shifts to Kramer as hilarity is expected, and generally expectations are not just met, they are exceeded. The same is said for Spicoli. Here, we have two separate encounters with the strict history teacher, Mr. Hand. These are examples of the comedic adversarial relationship between these two. C, D, F, F, F. Three weeks we've been talking about the Platt Amendment. What are you people? On dope? A piece of legislation was introduced into Congress by Senator John Flack. It was passed in 1906. This amendment to our Constitution has a profound impact upon all of our... Where is Jeff Spicoli? I saw him earlier today near the first floor bathrooms. Is he still on campus? Anyone? Yes, Desmond? I saw him by the food machines. How long ago? Right before class. Okay. Bring him in. What is this fascination with truancy? What is it that gets inside your heads? There are some teachers in this school who look the other way at truants. It's a little game that you both play. They pretend they don't see you, you pretend you don't ditch. Now, who pays the price later? You. 
Continuously late for this class, Mr. Spicoli? Why do you shamelessly waste my time like this? I don't know. Mr. Han, will I pass this class? Gee, Mr. Spicoli, I don't know. That's nice. I really like that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave your words on this board for all my classes to enjoy. Giving you full credit, of course, Mr. Spicoli. All right. And now, the second scene. Now, in 1898, Spain owned Cuba outright. Think about it. Cuba owned by a disorganized parliament over 4,000 miles away. Cubans were in a constant... Cubans were in a constant state of revolt. In 1904, the United States decided to throw a little weight around and... Uh... Who is it? Mr. Pizza Guy. Again? Mr. Pizza Guy, sir. <laughs> Pour the double cheese and sausage. Right here, dude. Here, you go, dude. Am I hallucinating here? Just what in the hell do you think you are doing? Learning about Cuba, having some food. Mr. Spicoli, you're on dangerous ground here. You're causing a major disturbance on my time. I've been thinking about this, Mr. Han. If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? Certainly there's nothing wrong with a little feast on our time. You're absolutely right, Mr. Spicoli. It is our time. Yours, mine, and everyone else's in this room. But it is my class. Hamilton, Brandt, Kornfeld, up front. Mr. Spicoli has been kind enough to bring us a snack. Be my guest. Help yourselves. Get a good one. Even though Penn's star shines brightest, the performances by the cast are simply amazing. Most underrated is the character Brad Hamilton. We meet him as a quote-unquote successful senior. At the start of the school year, he has a new car, a girlfriend, and is a fast riser at his job at a local burger joint. Throughout the film, Brad slowly falls, and his shortcomings are quite hilarious. The following clip shows what begins that downfall, and epitomizes what many of us deal with at our places of employment currently, and dealt with at our high school jobs. 
May I help you? Uh, yes. This is not the best breakfast I ever ate, and I'd like my money back. Uh, okay. Uh, I believe you have to fill out a form for that. Uh, no. I'd like my money back now. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. You see, I have to fill out a form, and, well, you ate most of it already, so... You see that sign? It says 100% guaranteed. You know what the meaning of guarantee is? Did they teach you that here? Sir, if you just wait a minute... Look, just put your little hand back in the cash register and give me my $2.75 back, please, Brad. Sir, if you just give me a minute, I'll find the forms. I'll take care of everything. I don't have a minute. You've made me late enough. I am so tired of dealing with incompetence. It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Mister, if you don't shut up, I'm going to kick 100% of your ass. Uh, is there a problem here? Can I help you, sir? You bet you have a problem. Your employee here used profanity and threatened me with violence. I'm surprised. I eat here all the time and usually have good service until today. All I wanted was my money back on this breakfast. It was a little undercooked. And he threatens me with violence. Now, I'm going to call your supervisor. Uh, I can take care of it. Mr. Hamilton, did you threaten this customer or use profanity in any way? Uh... Why? He insulted me first. He called me a moron, Dennis. Answer me. Did you threaten this customer or use profanity in any way? Yes. You're fired. I'm very sorry, sir. In my opinion, this is what makes Fast Times the greatest quote-unquote teen movie. One, it addresses issues we all know of. Even when dealing with an issue as controversial as abortion or more typical issues like dating, friendships and relationships it works because we feel like we know these characters that is because we all went to school with a Ratner a Brad Hamilton a Damone and yes even a Spicoli and one even could say at different stages we have been those characters with relatability being such a key in cinema this film is one of the best at having the viewer relate to these characters at the highest level. Many people in today's culture will see the year this was released and feel that it is outdated. They will think it cannot be funny. It doesn't hold true to today's issues. That could not be further from the truth. This film is timeless. From the phenomenal ensemble cast, to the amazing 80s-fused soundtrack, to the bit parts by Nicholas Coppola, you now know him as Nicholas Cage, Anthony Edwards, and Eric Stoltz. This film will leave you longingly reminiscing about your own high school days, while laughing throughout. So catch a cool wave and some tasty buds, and enjoy a viewing of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. For Matt Connerton Unleashed, this has been a classic film review with Eric Pilcher.
everybody. We are well in our number two, a numero dose of Matt Connerton Unleashed. And we are live from the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in glorious downtown Manchester, New Hampshire. Also on Comcast 97 if you're in Manchester. And hello to all of our online listeners across the nation and around the globe. You can go to my website, mattconnerton.com, for all of your live streaming options, social media links, contact info, show archives, etc., etc. Today is Friday, November 19, 2021. John Hopwood is here as well at the news desk, uh, looking at me through a uh, Viewmaster. Yeah. Wow. Yes, excuse me. <laughs> that's uh that's great. This was my toy about 50 some 50 years ago. And you uh, held on to it? That's probably worth money on eBay, you know. Oh, uh, we'll find out. Yes. It would help <laughs> if I actually had something in here. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I'm looking uh I, it's it's uh you know like the magic mirror on Romper Room. Oh, yes. I'm watching this strange anime video about ACO. You mean AOC? AOC, right? Yeah. You remember oh. I have dyslexia. Oh, yes. Uh, Congressman uh, Paul Gosar must have sent that to you. Uh-oh. Wow. Holy smoke. Yeah, well, you know. Have you seen this video? Yeah. What would you say about it, Matt? I would say that, uh, well, uh, pre-Trump, of course, uh, you know, he would have been uh, disowned by the Republican Party, I think. But, uh, but in the MAGA era, uh, anything goes. What does the video show for people that don't know about it? Uh, shows him murdering uh, AOC. And uh, apparently that's cool now. And anime is a Japanese Yes, it's an cartoon. anime video of him murdering AOC. And uh, yeah, um, apparently... Uh, Kevin he tweeted it. Yes. With censure. More than once. And then tweeted it again. After being censured. Yes. And uh, Kevin McCarthy has said that uh, when asked about it, that yes, uh, he will be... Of course, uh, you know, he had his uh, committee assignments uh, taken away from him, but he'll be getting those back once the Republicans are in control. Because, you know, we live in an era where uh, you can uh, you can make an anime video or, uh, or, uh, or someone can make it for you or whatever, and you put it out there, you murdering a colleague. And, uh, yeah, that's fine now, apparently. That's, uh, that's great. That's, but that's the era we live in now. If a nice? Democrat like AOC did it or one of the squad, mm-hmm. what would the Republicans be doing? Doing. Well, I mean, I I can't. Uh, Not I, that they would do such a thing. You know, I can't imagine it, to be honest with you. Uh, but you know, um, five years ago or six years ago, I wouldn't imagine anyone doing anything like that. But you know, but it's like I was saying, like you know, when Jenny was talking about you were, uh, I think you had called into the show that day, or maybe you were in the chat room. You know, we were talking about. Uh, uh, down at CMC, they had the protesters. And right. Somebody had the flag that said F. F F Biden, but with the F word spelled out in big letters. And you know, it's uh, we live in a time now. The, the Trump made it cool to be vulgar and nasty for Republicans. Uh, that's that's part of the MAGA cult. It's cool to to be you know make anime videos depicting the murder of AOC or have a big flag that says F Biden on it, waving it around in front of children. A- anything goes now. That's. Uh, you know, and that's uh, that's the era that we live in, and uh, well, that's true demagoguery. Yeah, in the d- deep South, up until the '60s, you'd uh, use the N word and uh, say all sorts of horrifying things, mm-hmm. and that would get their base yes to the polls. Which you know, seeing that blacks were disenfranchised, uh, well, you know, but anything goes now. Well, America has always had hooliganism as part of its 
mm-hmm. political culture. In fact, Bruce Caton, who wrote a trilogy in the 1950s on the Civil War that won a Pulitzer Prize, said that that was part of the American cu- culture, hooliganism, and mentioned mythic figures like Mike Fink, the raftman of the Mississippi, who we don't know about him anymore. But people, I was going to say, I'm not familiar with that. Uh... Right, because it was a part of... Uh, it, it would be like a Paul Bunyan type of figure, although Paul Bunyan was created by like some corporation. But it was a mythical figure of the frontier. And, hmm. you know, he was, yeah, he once went up into the uh, mountains with his uh, mule and his uh, Native American uh, wife. And they were forced to eat the, he was forced to eat the mule and then he was forced to eat his wife. Too. Oh, my God. But. It was a culture of violent, very violent culture, the frontier culture of America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And politics was characterized that. Uh, Charles Sumner, who delivered one of the few abolitionists in the Senate, Charles Sumner of Massachusetts, delivered a, uh, a speech, just a blistering speech, like 1857 or about. And a congressman who was the nephew of the senator caned him and almost, and almost killed him. And Sumner took a couple of years to recover. I don't know how long it took him to get into the Senate, Yeah, back into the Senate. But, you know, the Southerners, oh, what the hell, you know? Hmm. That was a very violent culture. But uh, I hope none of this is being taught in our schools. By the way, that would be a, a disgrace. Even if it's taught, e- right? even if it's all true, I, you know, we, we can't have our precious children learning about uh, the imperfect history of America. Oh, I don't know what school you went to, but I was taught <laughs> the imperfect history of America. No, I wasn't. I, well, I went to a Catholic school from grade two to grade eight. I'm not saying everything was completely whitewashed, but uh, but you know, we were taught, of course, about how the the pilgrims came and they had a very nice meal. With, you know, it's an appropriate time. They had a very nice meal with the uh, Native Americans, and everyone was very nice to each other. And, and then we got let you Irish in. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, that Bruce Caton said that hooliganism, that violence, which was so part of the political culture, too, that was one of the triggers of the Civil War. And as I said before, we were during the break. I think there, you know, we're on the verge of another Civil War. And another subject, the generic ballot is something about who would you vote for Congress, Democrat or Republican? Republicans have an unprecedented 10-point advantage. Mm -hmm. Unprecedented. Yeah. And just think, they only need five seats to take the House. Senate is 50-50. And this is the most potentially most reactionary court. Jesus, you'd have to go back to the Fuller Court, where Plessy v. Ferguson, you know, where uh, separate but equal, uh, you know, blacks can have separate facilities. That's that's fine. Segregation is fine as long as it's equal. Right. Separate which, but equal. Of course, equal. it never was. But uh, it was equal in the sense, you know, you had black schools. Mm-hmm. They just were utterly horrible because they give, they give them any money. Yeah. But uh, so you're going to have a Republican Congress with these new Trumpian rules, a reactionary Supreme Court. Would you want to be part of the, the America? No. But the one good thing is, if Republicans win big, uh, there's uh, and uh, by the way, uh, there I'm, is I'm, no good. Some, uh, some, uh, some, my some, opinion. Some people will think I'm kidding when I say this, but I'm actually not. Uh, less chance for bloodshed. 
because I feel like we've entered a time now, ever since January 6th, I have this terrible feeling, and I think this kind of goes with what you were saying about Civil War, that in the future, like, let's say, for example, we have a rematch in 2024, which is very possible if Trump versus Biden, and Biden wins again. What's going to happen? after? After, 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 you know, all the Trump supporters have had all this time to build up all this anger and resentment because, I mean, the last poll that I saw showed 60 percent of Republicans in the United States still believe Biden stole the election. So if 2024 happens and Biden wins again and they feel like this election has been, quote unquote, stolen from them again because, you know, the my pillow guy tells them so or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I am worried about bloodshed. So um, Joe be- Biden, though, what's he at 38 percent? He's just br- cratered. He's like Trump uh, territory. Yes. Well, but and he's also going to be 79 tomorrow, as you said. Right. There's no way he's going to be. The just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. For me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning. And you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner candidate although he did come to new hampshire this week yes which yes. is a tradition why would he come to new hampshire for an infrastructure bill because because cory booker's coming next week the senator from new jersey who i think would have been a better vice presidential candidate mm-hmm. uh, for him but uh so that's an indication uh, uh you know he's playing i'm not a lame duck right of, oh of course yeah but of course I, there's little chance i think of joe biden running for re-election he's just too damn old mm. Yeah, and it's starting to show. It's been starting to show uh, for a long time. I mm. think. Yeah. It just goes with the territory of being 79 years old. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is our oldest living president. And uh, and when Trump gets right. re- and if Trump gets reelected in 2024, which I think is entirely plausible, uh, he'll be even older than. Uh, well, he'll be actually Reagan was still a month shy of 79. He was born in 1911 at the end of his presidency. No, so he's 78. Months shy of 78. He was 77 when he... one month. He's born in February of 1911. Yeah. So when he left in January 1989, he was only... He's about, about to turn 78. Yeah. And he had obvious cognitive problems. We know now he had Alzheimer's, and a lot of people with Alzheimer's that wiped out my mother's side of the family. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I have, they say 50-50, although I... That might not be true. So I'm very sensitive to that. I came back to Manchester to take care of take, my family, take care of my mother. Mm-hmm. But you have pre-Alzheimer's conditions. It was obvious, you know. Like, if you watch the first debate in 84 with him and uh, Fritz. Uh, Mondale. Mondale. It, something was wrong. Yeah. But uh, 
But he did manage to pull off that great line. I don't remember if it was in the first debate about. Uh, oh, he recovered for the second. De- yeah. 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 Debate. Hi. Welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's this? Hello, Matt. It's me, Polly C. Hey, Polly. How are you? Polly C of Retro Spectrum Radio with Polly C. Yep. The same. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. Uh, I tuned in right when. Oh, did you just wave to me, Matt? Hi. Um, <laughs> no, I was actually I waving just... to uh, the great Rob Azevedo of Granite State of Mind. Oh, love him. Tell yeah. him I said hello. Yes. I... You weren't here for our um, discussion so, Bukowski. <laughs> the, the reason why I'm calling is because you were um, just um, reviewing uh, a movie, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. And then when it ended, I was hoping to hear a little something, something from. Uh, the great John Hopwood regarding that movie, but you just went right on. I'm sorry, but uh, Matt won't let me talk about it because that's for the dark web and Matt Connerton unsheathed. Yes, there's a very, Matt Connerton unsheathed, yes. There's a a very specific, uh, you have to understand, Paul, there's a very specific Mm -hmm. scene in the yes. film that uh, that Mr. Hopwood is quite fixated on, and I I don't think oh, we can. She was so lovely. <laughs> I don't she think. Was... Mm, oh. I don't think we can discuss uh, that particular scene uh, on this program. Yeah, she marries Kevin Klein. That's the end of her. Oh. Uh, you should also watch that Blue Lagoon knockoff. What's it called? Paradise. Yeah. I felt very guilty as a youth many times before Ooh. things uh, were explained to me that it's okay, Rob. It's okay after that. I, I imagine you're talking about Fast Times. I know you were talking yes. about that with early. pools. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Movie yes. stud. <laughs> uh, burned into my memory. Did yeah. you have any uh, thoughts on uh, on the film, uh, Polly C? Polly Baby. I thought it was a fantastic film. I mean, I, it was probably one of the first movies I ever saw as a teenager. Um, I saw it at the Bedford Mall. And I remember the day specifically, a group of us went to Headlines in Nashua, and a couple of us bought smokeless pipes, and we brought (laughs) them into Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and we sat there and got Ridgemont Hyde while we were uh, watching it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, those are things you uh, don't forget. I remember going to the Bedford Mall and seeing this terrible, terrible, what they'd call a drive-in movie at the time, just some, you know, crappy movie that uh, in the South it would be, they used to have a circuit of movies in the South. Burt Reynolds actually built his career up in the 70s with movies like Gator that would play oh, yeah. in Atlanta, you know, down in Georgia. Just like they had different wrestling circuits back then. But it was called Bobby Joe and the Outlaw with Marjo Gortner and then Wonder Woman mm. Linda Carter. <laughs> My God. <laughs> She Linda. showed her assets, and it's just one of those things you never forget. Uh, wow. Uh, Linda Carter. The guy I went with is now the uh, school board member-elect for Board 10. Oh, nice. Very nice. Used to go see the Very movies nice. like that. I mean, a crappy, mm. terrible movie, but there were some memorable moments. I can think of at least two of them. I was listening to your... Uh, I mean, uh, when wait, you're sorry. talking about a drive-in, John, I mean, it's really insignificant. I mean, whether you have a date or not, whatever the circumstance, you just want to a reason to go to the drive-in movies, you know what I mean? It didn't matter necessarily what was playing. Just the fact that you're out there amongst other people and you go get a pizza, some hot dogs or whatever, and, you know, maybe play a game of Frisbee in between the two bad movies. It it was just an event to go to the drive-in movies. Mm. Right, because there were the good drive-in movies. I saw The Exorcist of the Drive-In, which I thought was very funny because I didn't see it when I was 
when it came out. I saw it when mm-hmm. I was 16. The novel, uh, I read, you know, like in 12 hours. And that was, uh, oh, mm-hmm. oh. But when I saw it, you know, the projector vomiting, it, it was very funny because I'm 16, we're drinking beer and stuff right. and looking at girls. But there were the drive-ins that had stuff like uh, the Manson Massacre, directed by Kentucky Jones, which was what we thought we were going to go see, like, you know, something about Charles Manson. It's just they kill a bunch of people and they threw this title. It was an Italian you know, chop them up movie, uh, terrible yeah. uh, synchronization of the voices, and oh my god, you know, like using mannequins <laughs> for the uh, real violent scenes. But that was over in the Milford Drive-In, which had the real, what I call a drive-in movie, which would be, you know, something that uh, the Southerners of the time, where you know, uh, if you get, if you, in the South, my father lived in Atlanta in the seventies, just to go visit him. Then, if you had to unzip your fly to come to 11, you were considered, like, Jethro Bodine, a, a real intellectual down there. Wow. But, so, uh, you know, those you'd drive- have these slob movies, these drive-in movies. The, the Milford uh, are still there. I was just there a couple years ago. Oh, is that still there? That's, oh, yeah. Oh, no kidding. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, there are, only a, there are only literally, Matt, a handful of drive-ins left in the country. Yeah. I think there's, like, under 20 of them. No kidding. And we, we have one here in Milford. It's still up, but I went there last summer. During uh, the the height of the pandemic, and the place was uh, pretty full. In retro, everybody pretty much remained in their cars, but um, you know it was good to still have that for uh, for those of us who didn't want to sit in crowds of people. So, oh yeah, and what about like Polly, the uh, cafeteria type type snack area? It's like real (laughs) old retro, you know, in there. Oh yeah, wow, with the hot like nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. You know, Litchfield. Yeah, really, it, he's right. Nothing has changed. Even the intermission stuff that they show is still in excess of 60 years old. But it's all <laughs> right, right. after, so it looks new. Yeah. Hey, 40 years ago, this, those those things, like, let's go to the snack bar. Yeah. <laughs> they looked like yeah. they were made in 1930. Oh, know? the the cartoon. The yeah. let's, let's go, go to, to the snack bar. bar. Yep. Hey, right. uh, and the hot dog jumps in the bun, just like in the movie Grease. Behind John Travolta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, uh, they still show that. Yeah. My family's from Litchfield, my father's family, and they used to have a, a pornographic drive-in down there. And not far from, uh, uh, you know, where the, like the wow. cemetery. Uh, mm. my, my, my great-grandfather, who was, what was his name? Moses Whittemore, you know, mm. who was a Puritan divine that came here. And they're showing movies like Hot Oven and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Hot Oven? Yeah, yeah. Litchfield was <laughs> porno, right? I mean, who goes? I mean, real porn. I mean, wow. I could see that. Besides Paul Rubens, who goes to a public forum to watch a porno? Wow. Well, we're in high school. Just line right? the cop cars up, man. Just, you know, you want to go shake down a bunch of <laughs> yeah. sex offenders. They're all right there. Wow. But it was just this, like, this couple that had a house nearby and later uh, there was a murder or something and the place burned on. It's quite a story. Huh. You should have some, we'll have to find out about Does that. Does John Clayton, I've never seen John Clayton do a piece. Of, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Litch, I don't know. <laughs> Litchfield's bound to Nashua. Yeah. It's oh, right here, well, but for some reason, Nashua's their big uh, Maybe, city. Maybe, maybe Pete could have Mr. Clayton on the, um, you know, morning show someday and he could talk about this theater. The porn the right. field. Yeah, either yeah. that or uh, Chris Weatherby. Ah, oh, we're here tonight. Litchfield. Right, Beyond right. Me is where the screen used to be where I saw oh. many adult films. Yes, that's oh. good, Paulie. I actually know the uh, head of the Litchfield uh, Historical Society. I remember he could call in and talk about it. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Doesn't sound like a Maddie. Wow, he's yeah, not the type know. that's going to talk <laughs> about films. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to hear about the uh, the the. But it's not the mill. But it's a, an interesting <laughs> story. Like the 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 wife killed the husband, then burned oh, the yeah. place down, and she's going to steal the money, and the safe fell into the basement. Really? Yeah, oh, wow. I was that in is, college when that Actually, happened. I would like to hear Yeah, Yeah, we should have him call. I would like to hear that story. That's but remarkable. But Field, New Hampshire, yeah. porn all place. Yeah, wow, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Paul- I wonder if you got a discount uh, <laughs> if you went there alone. Like, uh, how, many, how many people drove in there alone? <laughs> Who's that under the blanket? I would, I would, yeah, I would assume uh, most people went there alone. Um, <laughs> You'd be surprised there wasn't one. Uh, I went there <laughs> from West Coast. Uh, it's just like, you know, there's no internet hey, listen, there. I'm going to let you go, but before I do, I wanted to give a like, shout out to Robbie. Hey, Rob, I am going to, um, well, first of all, what is the date of that barn dance? Oh, baby. Uh, November 27th, uh, next Saturday, 6 o'clock. Scal- okay. Yep. Uh, I will I will be going there with a date. Oh, Paulie, you're going to love it, man. I cannot wait. We're going to have hay on the floor. It's the whole deal. Starts at 6 o'clock, and I'm really prompt about that stuff when we have three acts playing. With the with the uh, awesome. headliner is uh, the Queen City's finest Scalawag. Excellent! Yeah, I'm looking buddy. forward to it, man. I've, Just, I'm, I'm, I've been really wanting to check that place out since you've been plugging it and it opened. So yeah, just dress next, warm uh, because Saturday, there's no. I'll be there. Yeah, dress warm. There's going to be no heat in the bar just yet, so it's your classic barn dance. Well, he did say he's bringing a date. So. Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, be warm. It's, it's 250 <laughs> Pembroke Street. Literally, just get on Hooksit Road and go straight right into Pembroke, and we're literally across the street. You cannot miss the house. It's a big yard and a big barn and. Uh, look for the orange door. Orange. Excellent. I'm looking forward to doing it. Brother. Oh, Polly, I love then. it. That makes me happy. What about tonight, Polly? What's on your show tonight? Uh, tonight Ooh. we're be- we're going to be playing uh, B sides, in which about 95 oh. percent of them that I'm playing turned out to be just as popular, if not popular, as the A side. Uh, when the record companies didn't even intend for that to happen. Yeah. So we're going to be playing uh, 25 or 30 songs tonight that uh, are B-sides that are very, very popular that everybody will know. Any, uh, any, any, give us a hint. Any uh, kiss? <laughs> yes. Yeah, because there's a very specific yes. There's a very specific example. And what is that? What is it? Yeah. Uh, Beth. Because Beth, I hear you call. Beth was actually the B-side for Detroit Rock City. Really? In July. In July? Yeah, in July of 1976, Beth 76. was the B-side of Detroit Rock City. And then in August, Beth came out as the A-side, and Detroit Rock City was the B-side. Because so, yeah. that was my senior year. That was the big hit yeah. uh, by the first semester, senior year. We started in September of '76. That's why I remembered '76. But they put you know, they put Beth as the B side for Detroit Rock City because you know nobody thought at the time the record company certainly didn't think that Beth would ever be a hit. Mm-hmm. And then you know because you put the exactly. throwaway on the B side and and radio stations turned it over and started playing Beth. And you know, Peter Chris was the author of their greatest hit. And That's you know right. what? You know what? I wonder if Beth Matt um, made other metal bands say like even Guns N' Roses. You know, come out with softer ballads. Yeah. You know what I mean? You you know what I mean? You know, inspired other bands to say, we don't have to be hardcore all the time. Let's let's really, like, uh, mix it up, like, and go with November Rain. Or when Patience came out by uh, uh, Guns N' Roses, that was a complete, like, what a a departure from, you know, what they were doing. When did Alice Cooper's song, uh, Only Women Bleed, come out? 
Good. I did that pretty precede Beth. Oh, good question. I think that was after. Do you know, Paul? Because I, I think that's. Well, I didn't hear the question. Awesome. What was it? When did when did Alice Cooper come out with "Only Women Bleed"? Was that before or after Beth? Uh, that was before. I think I think "Only Women Bleed" was seventy two or seventy four. No, it was, it was. I was in high school when it came out. It could be seventy five. Oh, okay, well, I'm looking it up right now. Okay. Oh, okay. Because that was different because, you know, billion-dollar babies was yeah. big when I was a junior high school. Well, yeah, you're right. That was that was a big departure for Alice. Uh, and it was a 75. Big, yeah, so that was a big, big song because, you know, yeah. particularly in 75. It's hard to believe, having lived through 75, when you're at the absolute pinnacle of all time and everything's naughty and people writing articles and Esquire about the micro boomer generation <laughs> that we've all had sex and this and that. And we're wondering, well, this obviously hasn't come to Manchester, New Hampshire yet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the same articles they'll do for every like 10 years when they used to have magazines. Mm. And that came out and, you know, there's the double entendre, only women right. bleed. So it's like, oh. Right. But that Did was a big Maggie thing. May? No, Maggie May came out in 70. 71. Oh, I thought, I, sorry, I thought I heard you say that. And the reason why I thought I heard you say that is because that is yet another B-side. Really? We'll be oh, tonight. come on. Really, oh, man? a very interesting story about it, too. Oh, yeah. Now, what was the band he was the front, front man for before that hit? Faces. Faces, that's right. Ron, Ronnie Wood was with Ronnie Faces. Wood and him, yep. That's right. Who I just saw last Thursday night in Atlanta, the Rolling Stones. You did? Yes, I did. And uh, you would not believe... A 78-year-old man who can bomb around stage is like a 30-year-old, 20-year-old kid like Mick Jagger. Incredible. Well, you know, he well, does right. come from the amphetamine generation. Mm. We'll, we'll let, uh, Paul, we'll let you go, but uh, looking forward to Retro Spectrum Radio tonight Sounds at 7.30. Great. Yes, fellas, I uh, will uh, see you later on tonight, Matt. You guys have a great night. Robbie, I'll uh, check in with you soon. Oh, good. Hey, reach out if you have any questions about next weekend. I certainly will. Thanks a lot. Okay, pal. All right, Paul. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, that's our friend Pauly C. from Retro Spectrum Radio with Pauly C. I'll be on with him later. I do want to remind you all, too, because it is Friday night, there is live music tonight happening at the Hopknot. Uh, Ali Beaudry playing there tonight, I believe. So, uh, And uh, you can stop in for not only some live music, but some delicious gourmet pretzels and craft beer. And don't forget, too, the Miracle on Elm Street coming up December 2nd. Uh, we will be live from the bonfire all day, beginning at 7 a.m. with the morning show and concluding at 6 p.m. that day with this program. So lots of great stuff going on. What, what, oh. Rob, who preceded Ron Wood as the, uh, as the guitarist? Uh, uh, Jones. Um, Brian. Brian Jones, yeah. Brian Jones. Yeah. No, huh? Mick Taylor. Oh, I, oh. I always forget about Mick Taylor. Mick Taylor. Yeah. Uh, 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 Jagger loved him. Because he was a great, he was great, and he could, he would back mix voice up. Yeah, he was so what would you call it musically dexterous. Yeah, but Keith hated him. Yeah, because he was a rival. I'm the lead guitarist. Right? right, and so things came. You know, he left. He was just a kid, Mick Taylor. They got him right after Brian died, but they were going to replace Brian anyways because you know his heroin and drug addiction yeah. had destroyed him. And by sixty late sixty eight, and uh, but Ron Wood came in. He was great friends with uh, uh, with Keith. There felt like there was a hundred thousand people at this concert. 
It was, oh, it, it, uh, where I mean, was it? It was in Atlanta at but Mercedes-Benz where? Stadium where the Patriots played last night. <laughs> it was 100,000 people. Yeah, I mean, I'm 80. talking from rafters to the floors. Uh, I go, To be very honest, I left after like eight, ten songs. It was just too much for me. Really? I can't, I can't, like the older I get, I crowds just mess me up, man. Yeah. And I, I even feel, I feel claustrophobic, although I was on the floor and had plenty of room. Yeah. Um, I was just like said to my buddies, I said, I'll see you back at the hotel. And then I got a chance to walk through that dump of a city. <laughs> Talk about it. Atlanta's a dump. a dump, though? Atlanta is a pit. I haven't been to uh, Atlanta in years. Yeah. Me I haven't either. been here in 30 years. Uh, I'll wow. never go back. Wow. No kidding. Oh, I thought it was a dump. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. And I expected so much more. So eight or ten songs. So how long into the show was that? I was probably, I probably stayed there less than an hour. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, I, I'm not going to sit here. Um... I wasn't on the snide about it. I was just, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, I like to go to a rock show, but more at bars, uh, theaters, yeah. smaller venues where I can really invest myself. Yeah. 20 years ago, they were 250 a ticket in Vegas. Well, how much was the ticket? I uh, didn't pay either. It was oh, a free ticket. Excellent. Oh, yeah. That's, that's pretty sweet. That would give you an you know, uh, incentive to split. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right. Wow. But, huh. you know, they make their money now of all the acts from touring because streaming uh, it pays so little. Yeah. yeah, it pays so little. Yeah. Can, can I give one more comment about? Uh, oh, but from Atlanta, the yeah. next morning I woke up at the crack of dawn, drove to Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Yeah. And for I, the music. Well, to that's I went to the studio. The, I got a, yeah, that great studio. I, I got a tour at Muscle yeah. Shoals, like, yeah. and that's where Aretha recorded her hits. Um, you know, Almond Brothers. Uh, um, yeah, that's the Almond Brothers. Yep, Carter, Jimmy, Jimmy, um, I forget his name. You know, Otis Redding. Everybody was there, so it was really cool to stand in those walls and to get a get a good history about it, and to see the same instruments just sitting there that you know these artists all played. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. why yeah. is the first uh, Almond Brothers record LP? Long playing record for those, you know. That, this guy, uh, this guy. Why is it? It's called Eat a Peach after Dwayne passes. I imagine. Uh, I don't know. Well, uh, Dwayne got high and he was on his motorcycle and smashed into a peach truck. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, he did. Truck I remember hauling telling, peaches. Telling so story, eat yeah. a peach. The, they were sense. never the same after Dwayne died. He was. Yeah. Hop, have oh, you ever had your IQ uh, done? What? I, I don't know. I think I think he has a genius. I think he's genius. I think he's genius. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When it kept me in a low income bracket my entire (laughs) life, (laughs) like they usually do, man. Uh, It's amazing. But there was a caller on earlier who says, you know, how how great it is to listen to Hop, and I say it every time I'm in here. Yep. I mean, I could I could listen to you Hop or probably read anything that you write. I don't know. It's just something. You know, you're going down the line about Brando as I'm driving over here, and I'm like, man, this guy is something else. You know. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love him. He's got some fans, but he's very humble. Or, or that's another word for whatever it is I have. <laughs> yeah. Dysthymia or whatever. I'm going to go get the beautiful Faith Hill who's down. Uh, Faith oh. Hill. Faith Ann. I, uh, she's downstairs right now. She's on Granite State of Mind tonight. She's a Manchester uh, singer, songwriter, artist. She's many things. She's a juggernaut, man. She. This woman's building a bus, uh, building a home in a bus, and I, on her own. Uh, wow. And you know she's about uh, five foot nothing. So let me go get her. And Granite State of Mind, six o'clock tonight. Is that yes. Cool? Yes. Oh yeah. Well, I was about to ask you what you had coming up. So the the timing is fortuitous. Yep. Faith Ann, and then big party next uh, barn dance uh, next Saturday at uh, Pembroke City Limits, our second event. Um, and uh, starts at six o'clock. Scalawag and Grant Lampton will be there, and a band from Montana called 
uh, Florence. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So, right. uh, Florence. looking forward to seeing you, Paulie. Boys, thank you, Matthew. Oh, and I'll be back. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Rob Azevedo leaves us, and we will begin to wrap up in a moment. Uh, granted, State of Mind is. Uh, Can't we get the uh, gala? What did he say? He's coming to get her. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Can't um, we just bring her on for a minute? Uh, uh, yeah, if they get back up here quickly, I just don't want to go too long. And then because when he has live musicians come in, it takes, yeah, you know, they, they need time to set up. So I try to get, I try to get out of the way, but, uh, yeah. Well, my meter goes to 606. Oh, wow. How fortuitous. So what's your weekend going to be like, Matt? Hey, oh, I don't know. I'll just be working in front of the computer, doing my thing, running my, uh, global media empire. The one that rivals uh, the Glenna Jolets. Oh yes. How many countries are you in? Oh, I'm I'm in every country, every country imaginable. I'm truly global. How many countries is Glenn in? I remember he gave a number one time, and it was uh, higher than the uh, number of uh, countries actually in the world. Once it was in the 80s, then it turned into like the <laughs> 180s. But we do love Glenn. We do love uh, our people's mayor, Glenn R. J. Jolet. He brought in some a uh, couple of very nice gifts. Uh, for Jenny uh, when he came back from Sierra Leone. When's he going to bring in his sons? Well, that's going to be a while. It's got to get him here. All my sons. Got to get him here. That was an Arthur Miller play. Was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise's ex-wife uh, was on in the uh, the restaging on Broadway. Oh. Yeah, you know, yeah. I haven't been on Broadway in a long time. On Broadway. Well, I can't afford the ticket prices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, as we uh, uh, as we I'm, I've set up this thing with the anxiety of seeing the uh, the, the gal that's only you know, five feet tall. Being oh. that I'm not much over five feet tall, I find that very exciting. But short women always go for the uh, taller guys. Mm-hmm. You think so? Oh yeah, women. Uh, you know, my success is women about five seven, five eight or so, and uh, the ones that were tall when they were younger. Yeah. Yeah. How tall are you? I refuse to say. Mm, are you uh, taller or shorter than John Oates? I'm as tall as Alan Ladd. That's how I gauge everything. That's how I gauge everything. Is it, was there really a John Oates? I thought, did he? what did he do? John Oates of Daryl Hall and John Oates. Right, and Daryl Hall is the one who sang, right? Well, he sang uh, lead on most things, yes. And what did Daryl Hall do? I mean, I mean, John Oates. <laughs> John Oates also he, It's sings. like one of those after, you know, you don't even think about them. Right, right. It's like Nicky Hopkins used to play piano uh, with the uh, Stones. Yes. All right. And, well, uh, Rob, Rob is back, but we're gonna we're gonna start to wrap up so we can yeah. uh, we can get out of the way here. But uh, welcome back, Rob. This is Faith right here. Faith and Faith Ann. unloading. Hi, Thank Faith. you, man. How you doing? All right. So I think Do, are you gonna is she, where is she gonna sit? Well, we'll, we'll let Rob <laughs> figure that out yeah. after. Okay. All right. We gotta go. <laughs> John Hopwood, thank you so much, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you, Rob. Yes, sir. Rob will be uh, up next at 6 p.m. with Granite State of Mind. And, of course, thank you to Eric Pilcher for his uh, classic film review this week, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and uh, everyone else who called today. And if you missed any part of today's show, it will be up in just a little bit at WMNHradio.org and at my website, mattconnerton.com. And uh, make sure you check back in later on as well at 7.30. From 7.30 to 10 tonight, for Retro Spectrum Radio with Paulie C, as I have the honor and privilege of being one of Paul's co-hosts on that show, <laughs> along with uh, Sorry. what 
Honor and privilege is funny to you? All right, no, there was a message about the Litchfield Drive-In from oh. the Honorable Heidi Hamer. Oh, I see. Like, it's, it's not from Matt Connerton. Uh, uh, not this under, version. Understood, understood. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for us for now. Greatest State of Mind is next. I'll talk to you all a little bit later. Bye, everybody. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.